chapter 16. If you would, look at verse 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to share with you a sermon I've entitled, The Stone Was Rolled Away. The Stone Was Rolled Away. Uh, all gospel writers, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looked at the, uh, the uh, resurrection just in a different light. Some shared, uh, they shared things that perhaps the other three didn't share. And uh, Mark was one of those, and he goes into detail about the stone, and, and the others didn't mention the stone. So we want to look at Mark chapter 16, and we'll begin reading with verse 8. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrightened. And he said unto them, Be not affrightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly, and they fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and they were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now for the text, if you would, look at verse 3. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. All of us, no doubt, are aware that there are only just certain ministries that we can perform for those who die. Only certain things we can do for a loved one or for a friend who dies. But yet, because of the love we have for that person, we offer what we can. Therefore, with broken hearts, we offer beautiful flowers. We offer expensive coffins. We offer our favorite music. We offer eulogies. Now, why do we do that? Well, because a cold, clawed, of dirt is precious when it houses the human soul. You're very important to God because within you, God created you out of a lump of clay, but also he put in you, put in me, a soul. A soul, a soul that will last forever. Therefore, even the deserted and the crucified Son of God had those that loved him, and they just wanted to offer a last expression of their love. And so they head toward the tomb. They head toward the sepulcher. And they were real anxious on that Easter morning. Mark and Luke said they went early in the morning. Matthew said they went before dawn. John said they went while it was dark. But if you'll notice verse 1 in Mark 16, 
the women came, and they were bringing spices in their hand. And the purpose of that was to minister to the body of Jesus for this long journey of death that he would be on. And now as they ran down the trail, or perhaps even walked slowly and talked among themselves, it dawned on them in verse 3. And they asked a question. They said, who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulchre, the door of the tomb? So verse 4, when they arrived, they were amazed. They were kindly astonished. Because you see, the stone had been rolled away. And the Bible says there in verse 4, it was very great. It was a large stone. It was huge. It was heavy. But yet, that stone had been rolled away. There in verse 5, they walked to the tomb. They entered, Mark's account said, they entered into the tomb, and they looked, and when they looked around into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, kind of a ledge that they would lay the body on. And he addressed these women, and he was clothed with white clothing. And, and the Bible says, that they were so afraid, they were, they were really afraid. But then in verse 6, and he said to them, Be not frightened. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. You see, the most glorious day in history is not when 3,000 souls were saved at Pentecost. The most glorious day in history was really not the establishment of the church, although that was very important. The most glorious day in history was not the discovery of North America. The most glorious day in history was not that someone put their foot on the surface of the moon. But the most glorious day in history was this dawn, this early morning when the stone was rolled away. Now, what does that tell us? First of all, what stone was rolled back? You say, well, Brother Sammy, it was, just a, it was just a large rock just to cover the face of that tomb, just to cover the face of that opening. No, I, I, it, was, it was much more than that. Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, I suggest to you this morning that that large stone speaks of death. It speaks of death. Death is something that's hard to understand. Death is a mystery. Death is a secret. Death is predicted to all mankind. One out of every one dies. A hundred years from now, perhaps sooner, we're going to be somewhere because we'll die. Death is predicted to all mankind. It comes to all and so whatever you do, don't be so naive to think that you're not going to die. Because death comes to all. And so death kindly reduces the high and the mighty down to the very lowly. Death is this thing, death is a common denominator for all of humanity. We all experience it, we will experience it if Jesus doesn't tarry his coming. Listen to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Jot this scripture down. It just simply says this. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. 
And so there's one thing that we can count on unless the Lord comes first, and that is we're going to die. And until the time of Jesus, no traveler who took this journey of death had ever returned to share what that was about. I mean, all those who died prior to Jesus just went on this journey known as death. And only at the time of Jesus had anyone, no one had ever returned, no person who had ever died. Then came that first Easter morning and the stone was rolled away. That great stone was rolled away. The mystery is not a mystery anymore. Death is not a mystery anymore. The Bible says, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, now listen, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwelleth in you. And so the same spirit that resides in Jesus resides in us, that Holy Spirit of God. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us from the dead. You say, Brother Samuel, what does that mean? It means one day, because of the resurrection of Jesus, Judy and I will see our baby that was stillborn, August the 1st, 1972. That means that I will see my mother and father and my family members and all of my friends that died in the Lord. I'll see them again one day. I'll see those. Now, how? Because the stone's been rolled back. Death has been rolled back. Jesus defeated death. Jesus conquered death. That's why the Bible says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? 2 Corinthians 16, 55. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. Now, today... We rejoice over the resurrection of Jesus, you know, a testimony of his defeat over death and the grave. But now in the time that I have remaining, I just want to, us to think about our resurrection. Our resurrection. We, we, we rejoice in Jesus' resurrection, but because Jesus was resurrected, we know that we'll be resurrected. Someone has said that there are two things for certain, death and taxes. But Jesus added a third thing. Death, taxes, and resurrection. Resurrection's for certain. It's for certain. Don't think for a moment that death is the end. Don't think that cremation somehow will, will bring about a non-existence to you as you're scattered, your ashes are scattered over the face of the earth. You see, the Bible teaches that there are two resurrections. One for the Christian and one for the person that's rejected Christ. One for the unbeliever, one for the lost. Now for the Christian, look if you will to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at this just for a moment because it's very important. You're Christian or non-Christian. For the Christian, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 13. Now there were some people that were upset because they were being taught that that Christ had already came back and he'd taken those that believed in him and he had taken them back to heaven. And, and so Paul gives some information to the believers in, in 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And he said this, he said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, 
concerning those who have died, that you sorrow not, even as those who have no hope. Now, he didn't say for us to not grieve when a person dies, but he says don't, don't sorry for them, don't sorrow for them as though you are a person that has no hope. For, verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died, notice, and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, those who died in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so the Bible teaches that there's, there's a resurrection for those that are saved. And those that have been saved and who have died, if Christ comes, you're going to have a resurrection of the dead, and those that are alive are going to be called up. The dead are going to precede those of us who are alive. If he comes while I'm still living, they'll precede me, and then I'll be called up to be with the Lord in the air forever and forever and forever. That's referred to in theological circles as the rapture. And you say, well, Brother Sammy, some say the rapture's not in the Bible, but the word called up is in the Bible, if you'll notice there. The word called up in verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be called up. The Greek word for that is harpazo. And what's so neat about that is it's, it's a much stronger word than the English word rapture. That word called up means to gather up, it means to snatch up, and it has three distinct meanings. First of all, it means to be carried away by force. We're going to leave out suddenly when the Lord sounds a trumpet and we hear the voice of the archangel. We're going fast, folks. We're going fast real quick. And so it, the word means to be carried off by force. The word means to be rescued from danger. And so after we're carried away, then there's going to be some terrible time here on this earth referred to as the tribulation, but we're not going to go through that. Some believe that we are, but the Bible's pretty specific and plain. First Thessalonians chapter 1, turn back a chapter 2, look at verse 9 and 10, if you will. It says, For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we have unto you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Verse 10, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And so we're going to be snatched out real quick, and we're going to be rescued from danger. And the third meaning of that word, we're going to be transferred swiftly from one place to another. And so when we speak about being caught up, or when you hear the word rapture, there's going to be a moment in history where Christians are going to be supernaturally removed and transferred from earth to heaven. That will be the first resurrection. Now, the rapture is one of the, the greatest events that will take place in the history of mankind. I want you to see this little minute video clip to give you some prospect of what it might be like when the trumpet sounds and the voice is called. You would watch this just for a moment.
bad for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... See, there's coming a time when you least expect it. There's going to be a trumpet sound. There's going to be a voice of the archangel. And those that belong to Christ are going to be removed swiftly from this earth to a place called heaven. Christ will have one thing in mind. That's to gather those dead and alive who believe in him, who belong to him. And then Hebrews 9, verse 27 will be fulfilled. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. But you have the, you have the rapture or the being caught up of the, of the redeemed. But what about those that are not redeemed? What about those who have never trusted Christ? Will they be resurrected? Yeah, they'll be resurrected. So you have the resurrection of the redeemed. And you have the resurrection of the unredeemed. The unredeemed. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after death, the judgment. And so you have this universal resurrection of the redeemed. The universal resurrection of the unredeemed. But the big question is this. What resurrection will you be a part of? If Christ comes back today. And that sanctuary cleared out. All with about 10 or 12 people that's left behind. Would you be numbered in that? And so there is a resurrection of the redeemed and there is a resurrection of those who are not redeemed. Look, if you will, at Revelation chapter 20 and I'll close with this. Revelation 20, verse 11. Here's the, here's the passage in regards to the unredeemed. The resurrection. And I, I saw a great white throne, verse 11. And him that sat on it Revelation 20, verse 11. Whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, the small, and the great stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the seed gave up the dead which were in it. That just simply means... That wherever your body is and whatever shape your body's in, whether you're saved or whether you're lost, your body's going to come back together and you're going to stand before God one day. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you have the resurrection of the unredeemed. Now, this morning, on this Easter morning, we have vivid proof and, and we have knowledge that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. We know that. We have witnesses. I shared that this morning in sunrise service. 
We have many witnesses. At one time, we have 500 witnesses that saw Jesus. We had his disciples that witnessed Jesus. All of a sudden, they were scared. They were huddled together, and Jesus appeared to them. Then all of a sudden, because of this resurrected Christ, they became very bold in their witness. It's proof of the resurrection. And then saints over the years have been willing to be martyred because they know about this resurrected Christ, because he made a difference in their life. He's made a difference in your life, those who have trusted him and in my life. And so there is proof of the resurrection. So the believers today, we are not to fear death. Why? Because the stone's been rolled back. But if the trumpet sounds in five minutes or five seconds or whenever, will you be taken or will you be left? You don't want to miss that trip. You really don't want to miss that trip. And the way you can be a part of that trip is to humble your heart, see yourself as a sinner, Ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. Trust him as your Lord and Savior. Trust him in nothing else, not your good works. So you're going to be judged on your good works if you reject Christ. He's going to judge you on your works. And our works are as filthy rags, and we just can't make it into heaven on our works. We've got to have his righteousness in our life, God's righteousness. And that only way that comes about is by receiving Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Then you'll have the righteousness of God in your life. This morning, would you be willing to come on resurrected on Resurrection Sunday, celebration of the resurrection. Trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Solve it once and for all. I'm trusting Christ. Nothing else. Not trusting in the church, not trusting in ordinances, baptism, Lord's Supper, being good, doing good. All those things are important. They have their place. We're to live a sanctified life. But if we've got to trust him and only him to go to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. I'm the way, the hadas, the road. There's only one road to God, and that's through Jesus. I don't know what road you're on this morning, but you can be on the right road by trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time that we can come together and rejoice and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Then at the same time, be reminded about two other resurrections, the resurrection of those who are redeemed and the resurrection, Lord, of those who are unredeemed. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you'll speak to hearts, those who have never trusted you, Lord and Savior, their life. And, Lord, today, on this Easter Sunday, they would humble their heart and come and, Lord, be willing to accept you as Lord and Savior of their life. Put you first in their life. Accept you as their Lord uh, to, to submit to your Lordship over their life. And, Father, I pray that you'll speak to every heart here today. Christians, perhaps, Lord, who have, for whatever reason, not as close to you as they once were, this will be a time of recommitment, rededication. Uniting with the church, getting plugged in, serving you as a, as a believer who's been gifted with spiritual gift and talents and natural abilities to serve the kingdom. And, Father, they'll make a commitment to, be, uh, to, to do that today, to use their spiritual gifts for your glory. Father, whatever decision uh, that people need to make, I pray that they'll be led by your spirit and step forward in obedience today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.